0: Welcome to uh, Talking Talkie episode 41. Uh, and after last week's episode of hashtag hergame2, we're back down to earth with three straight white men uh, as I, Stephen Dixon, and joined by Ben Curry. Good evening. And Chris Ballard. Uh, good evening. Uh, so this week we'll be chatting with Wieldstone, uh, and I'll be doing a little favourite player bit later in the episode as well before we look ahead to Bromley um first up let's go uh let's go with Wheelstone, and it was a 5-0 win for the yellows uh who wants to kick us off here
1: well i was at the match so i'll do that and can i just say that was expert broadcasting that is what this pod has missed for 40 episodes has been that sort of uh, professional glean
0: and i did the first little giggle in there as well so that's a nice one uh, to a throwback for the original fans <laughs>
1: I mean, we, oh. me and Chris, truly are blessed to be in the company of you know, Mister Talking Talkie. It's um, I do feel you know.
0: I get brought up on this pod quite a bit. Um, I think you know I, the the fans were after me being here. Uh, I'm here, and you'll get what you wanted. Uh, and it's it's a wheelstone five 0 win that we got for the yellows. Uh, Lapsley kicked us off with with the first goal. Uh, talk us through how you saw the how you saw the game, Ben.
1: Um. Well, it was, um, I think I remember tweeting half-time that it was a throwback to our non-league self-season where we just turn up against load of no-hopers and just battle them from start to finish. And that's what it felt like. And, um, you know, Wildstone we were a very, very poor team, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. And uh, we weren't doing that early in the season for sure. Um, and um they missed an early chance after five minutes, which a lot of people have forgotten. as a free header in the, in, the, in the 18 yard box, he headed it miles wide. Um, and then from then on, it was plain sailing. We you know we, we finally found the gear we'd been missing for the season so far. Um, Holman played up front on his own because Dan, Danny Wright was injured in the lead up to the match, and we hadn't seen the best of Holman at all up until that game and really leading the line by himself he really came into his own and he was linking play really nicely and um really f- helping uh hay evans and and little to play their best football and it helped we were playing a team who who tried to play football we didn't try to break the game up we didn't try to um shithouse or anything like that they tried to play their football and, and when we play teams like that we, we generally outplay them And we got the uh, early goal from Lapsley. It was a lovely ball in from Amani Little. Um, Lapsley put his heading where it hurts, got the goal. And from there, we never really looked back. And as soon as we got the early goal, uh, we doubled it up soon after. And then it it could be any score we wanted it to be. Um, 4-0 at half-time. Wasn't flattering in the slightest. You know, It's fair to say we absolutely battered them. Um, And some of our football in the first half was absolutely brilliant. And it's the best we played all season. To what extent do you reckon it was
0: um, Wheelstone being uh, for you know crap or us being good?
1: Uh... Uh, the first thing I'd say is that the the pitch conditions and the weather conditions were horrendous. Um, the Met Office said it was going to be played in a in a gale and uh, in a massive storm, um, and, and they're very rarely wrong. The Met Office and they were right. The weather was was horrendous. Uh, it rained leading up to kick off, um, and it was about which team. Um, Made better of it and, and got used to it quickest, and, and we did. And Willstone never really got used to it at all. Really, their passes didn't have the same zip as our passing. Um, as I say, once we got the first couple of goals, you could see the life visibly drain out of them. Um, they, they, it's not that were went up for it; it's just that really they turned all down after 20 minutes. They looked like the game was up for them, um, and by then our tails were up and we were playing with confidence. Um, Three five two 5 2 was a good formation for that pitch and that seemed to get the best out of majority of the players on, on the pitch. Um, and whilst Woolstone were probably the worst team I've seen this season, I would say that we played very, very well. And you can see that by the quality of our finishes. Um, three out of the four goals on in the first half were really finishes and <clears throat> they were all created really, really nicely. So I think what stood out for me was was generally the standard of our play, even though we weren't playing good opposition. They, they were goals which would, you know, grace most matches in the National League, I'd say.
0: Uh some really well worked, but uh Chris, where did you see uh Lewis's thronker? Where does that rank in the old talky goal book?
2: I mean it's it's a really good goal and it always looks good when your centre half steps out confidently into the midfield, dribbles it 35, 40 yards and puts a thunder bastard into the top corner. The problem is the defending was terrible. Like nobody got near him. It was like they were all running in tricot or something. They were like making an effort to get near him, but nobody actually put a challenge in. Um, I think if you, it's one of the best goals that I've seen. Let's not pretend it wasn't a good good goal, but I don't think it's as good as some people would have you believe. Um, The guy on the radio made it seem like it was the second coming of Pele. It was that good. Um, but I would be very disappointed as a Wheelstone fan, player or manager about how the whole in the middle of their midfield and defence was just left gaping with no one making any sort of challenge whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I have to admit, I, I, obviously, I only, I only saw the highlights package. I didn't really understand how he had that much time and space in the middle of the pitch to just walk forward. Is that Was that a tactic Willstone were playing through the game, Ben?
1: Um, not really. I mean, it was one stroke at half time. And it was a poor ball forward, which Lewis sort of stepped out of defence to intercept. Um, I mean, they didn't really play a, a wide game. It, it just, that so happened, That that's how the pitch opened up for Lewis. Um, I think the fact everyone was saying it was a great goal was because it was so unexpected. I mean, it was Lewis's first goal for Torquay. Um, a couple of chances he's had, he snatched out and sent over the ball from inside for six-yard box or or whatever. So the fact he's going to put it in the top corner from 25 yards was, was an alien concept to everybody. And everyone's going, Oh, he's not going to shoot. He is. Oh yes, And he couldn't have got it much more into the top corner. Really. It's, it's one of those where the ball was rising all the way and it, it goes straight into the top corner. And it doesn't matter where the keeper was stood in the goal; He didn't stand a chance.
0: It's a strange one because when they as people were saying it was his first goal, I could have sworn he was he was, you know, he's always in the box. You, you assume he'd nodded one in he's decent in the air. I didn't realise he, he hadn't netted, and for that to be your first goal, um pretty pretty decent. Well that,
1: that that's it. If 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 my does that, you're expecting him to shoot or or Jake Andrews, but but, but Joe Lewis, you think okay, he's gonna run 30 yards and then absolutely shoot himself and he's gonna just fire it into Babcom Harbour. But no, he absolutely fronks it into a top corner and I was busy writing my three-nil half-time tweets and had to uh, hastily edit them. We do feel very bad for you, Corey. Um, Chris, I, 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 how,
0: how, how did it hear from Stateside? Um, what was your uh, I would say
2: the first five minutes, I was a little bit concerned. I mean, it's sometimes hard to see, not hard to see, obviously I was here and not there, but it's hard to tell on the radio commentary how things really are developing, but the, the way, will stone started i thought oh god we're gonna go a goal behind so getting the goal from Lapsley after i think it was 10 minutes is really helpful um i've been impressed with Lapsley so far this season i think when he was out injured we missed him um i do want to talk about armani little's penalty because it was one of the worst penalties i've ever seen and can you imagine if we hadn't already been three nil up at that point what kind of fury that would have caused because I, it's impressive that he stood up to it so confidently. I was like, oh, we're absolutely going to nail this. Season in great form. He's already scored five goals. He's scored today. This is going to be great. 4-0, here we go. And it hits the sign that says, I think it's the Babacom Road end, isn't it, down there? Like, yes. it hits the sign saying it. Like, he never looked like he was even thinking about going near the goal. Um, but, again, if you're going to do that, 3-0 up is probably the best time to do it. Uh, I was very impressed with Holman. I think. Given his preseason form, some of us may have got a little bit carried away with how many goals he's going to score, myself included, because I backed him at 82-1. Um, to be a top goal scorer. But both of his goals were taken brilliantly. And he could have had a hat-trick because he hit the post even before his, I think even before our first goal, he hit the post. Um, the first goal he scored in the second half in the first half was great center forward player. He gets the ball back to goal. Does a cute little turn, leaving the defender for dead, and puts it in the bottom corner. I don't think you can ask much more from a from a striker. And the second one was just good awareness. Um, Willstone were playing out of the back. I have some opinions about that, which we'll get to later. And Holman was the first to react and put it in the corner. Um, it was nice to see the welcome return of Ali Omar celebrating with the player. We haven't seen that for a few weeks. Omar wasn't even on the field at the time. He, you know, ran over to the family stand-end to embrace Holman as if he'd forgotten, you know, what it was like to celebrate, which, you know, you could tell. Um, it was just nice to listen to a game without really feeling any sense of danger. Uh, even at formula at halftime we saw against Maidenhead early on in the season. If we had conceded early on in the second half, I think playmore, maybe not would have turned, but you would have started to hear the mutterings of concern. Um, but because we were able to, you know, hold out and then get the fifth, it became a very comfortable last 20 minutes or so. Uh, we could have scored 10. Uh, Wheelstone were not good. Um, but I don't know if a 5-0 victory in isolation is the kind of thing that we're looking for. So, you, you know, and we're going to talk about the other game, I'm sure. So it's it's one of those, to use a, a phrase that everyone uses, Um where you're very pleased with it, but in the grand scheme of things, we're probably not going to be talking about it at the end of the season.
0: I think people were saying that um, Little's, he- Little's penalty was in, in kind of homage to, to Matt Buse to, to make him feel at ease on the pitch, I think was um, <laughs> what they were saying. Uh, and and again, uh, just after Ben's perspective on uh, Holman le- leading the line without Wright, was he helped without Wright
1: being there? Um, I think he was, insofar as the temptation when Wright's on the field is to lump it up to him and see what he can make of it. Um, And so, noticeably against Willstone, and also because of the weather, uh, we weren't lumping it long at all. We were playing it into feet. He was coming really short to pick up the ball and and deliver it elsewhere. And the thing with Holman, I've noticed that in previous games, he doesn't stop moving. He's always on the move. He's always making runs. He's always trying to make space. He's always on the go. Um, and he's an intelligent footballer. So all you're looking for is for just one or two of his runs to be met by a decent through ball, and he'll get a chance. Uh, and that's what you're looking for, and that's the first time we really saw him play on the shoulder of the last defender, um, because obviously he's been playing alongside Wright for majority. Um, he's already had a very stop-start uh, start to the season anyway because he had a couple of red cards, which disrupted his performances you know, we've been getting um, slaps in a few games. So it hasn't quite worked out for him. But I've I've seen enough of him to have been impressed by him. And I think that assist for Little against Chesterfield did him the world of good. It it really made him feel like he belongs at Torquay United. And you can see he carried that into the game against Willstone. And as Chris said, his finish for the first goal, you won't see better player than that all, all season. Um you know, the way he maneuvered his little bit of space in the box and pinged it into the top corner was sublime. Um, and then you can see that really gave him confidence the rest of the game. And after that, he was just uh, completely a fawn in, in Wildstone's side. Um, I, think I don't you think, know whether um, going... Yeah, no, go on. As I said, I don't know going forward whether you, he leads the line permanently, if it's right, uh, comes back to fitness... Um, I'm not writing Danny Wright off by any means, but I think to get the best out of uh, Lemon Hay Evans and Little, who are your two go-to creative players, you need someone who's going to play on the last shoulder and make runs in, in behind the defence, which Danny Wright, at his age now, is not going to do. So it might be a case of going horses for courses for the rest of the season, or it might just be a case of of, of just you know seeing what happens um, game by game.
0: Do you reckon when it goes I, mean, I was trying to think about that as well? The the Holman versus Wright, whether they can play together. Is is it is it one and the one or the other, you think, for Gary Johnson from here? Um, um
1: I, I would say it depends on the formation. Um Wright and Holman could play together, but you'd need to change formation have two flying wingers just uh, uh smacking crosses into the box, which is what we tried to do in the first game of the season with Rogers and O'Connell and Holman and Wright were making runs in the box all, all day long and, and the crosses just, just weren't good enough to, to 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 meet either of them. So you could quite conceivably play the two, and they've played together at Cheltenham, so and um, they're both experienced players who who know how to run the line. So conceivably you could, but you'd need two wingers who can get to a byline and, and whip crosses in and decent crosses at that from both to work in the same team, I think. Rodgers and O'Connell in
2: that first game, they were playing on the wrong side as well because, you know, Rodgers is left-footed. He was on the right and O'Connell is right-footed playing on the left. So both of them wanted to cut inside, which is not the way to do it if you want to get crosses into the box. Also in that game, Conor Heavens was not fit or available. And I think that given he is probably our best player, if he plays, I think you're going to play with one of them. Uh, because I think you're going to play with him You know behind that front man and i think you're right it could be a horses for courses i think it's some of the teams you expect to try and play maybe you'd have holman but some of the teams that you don't expect to try and play absolutely right getting in amongst their center halves and roughing them up a little bit is probably the way to go um i think it's probably fair to say that right's on the decline now I don't think he's going to hit the heights that he did last season. Um, but it's also unfair to expect him to. I mean, he's 37. Um, last year, he didn't have any kind of support. Um, you know, We've seen players move to other clubs and do well, Umara include, included. But of those two strikers on display on Saturday, you'd absolutely have Holman every single time. And anyone, and I've seen people saying this, anyone who thinks we should have kept Umara rather than Holman, should be slapped about the face with great prejudice because it's ridiculous
0: um that's that's chris ballard sitting on the fence there um, uh you wanted to chat about chris uh the the wheelstone willingness to play out from the back i think yeah and i think we've seen in
2: one of the pre-season friendlies uh bournemouth under 23s really stuck to that desire to play football which is okay in an under 23s thing when you're developing players but Willstone were also trying to do it, and we we slapped them down. I think it's telling that teams that we've really struggled against this season have been teams that don't do that. Ultingham, Wilking, will get to Boreham are more direct teams, and those are the ones that we have struggled against. So I think when we get to the reinforcements that we might want to try and bring in, you have to take into mind that there are... Teams in this division who have no intention of playing football in quote-unquote the right way, which is a bullshit thing to say, but you know, you hear it all the time. Um, the way to get out of this division has historically been with a direct style. Um, you know, at the top now we have, as Oltringham, I think, Dagenham and Redbridge are up there, although they lost the other day. i we want to talking about them. Um, but I think it's worth saying that Wildstone did try and play Um, But they didn't do it very well, which really falls into our hands. And I think we're going to have to adjust our formation and our tactics depending on the teams that we play this season, which we didn't really do in the early part of last year because we were so confident until Christmas. We played our way. Didn't matter who we were playing against all comers. We were the superior team in the vast majority of games until we got injured. And then we had to try and figure things out through February and March. Um, and I would, I hope that teams come to play more and try and play because we'll have a great, a far better chance of beating them if they do that, which I think is also why we'll do some of the things. You know, last season, we lost it in games where we probably wouldn't have expected to, but we got very good results against teams around us. And I think that will happen again this season. I think you're not counties <laughs> They're a whole other thing. They're a basket case right now, which is hilarious. Um, but the teams that you would expect us to, be competing with at the correct end of the table are the ones that we're going to be allowed more space. For. So I wouldn't be surprised if we have a very good record against teams in the top eight at the end of the season with some occasional hiccups against the ones further down.
1: Well, you say that, but uh, we've played seven of the current uh top ten this season already. That's and be- done very well against any of them <laughs> and the teams we've beaten up us
2: not County we've beaten. Oh, we, we've drawn with Not County. We've drawn with Chesterfield. I know it's funny because it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling thing because we've only played 10 games. The teams that yeah. have beaten yeah. us were more likely to be above us because they've got those three points. Um, I still think the table will shake out a little bit differently. I don't expect Altrincham to stay up there, for example. Um, Woking, who knows, because they've been brilliant. Like, I haven't been watching their games because why would you do that to yourself? Um but their results have been incredible, again, including a very entertaining defeat of Notts County at the weekend. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen to them, but I suspect the top eight
1: teams will more or less be the ones that we would have expected coming into the season. I should explain, listener, that Chris is wearing a black and white shirt in homage to uh, Notts County. I think he's actually a secret uh, Notts County fan. Uh, I've so- also
2: got a black and white shirt on the wall behind me. Um, so I, I it, look like a zebra crossing right now it's quite entertaining
0: and believe it or not with the, the lack of planning that goes into this show I've written uh, next I've got here on my little bit of note uh, is 2-0 defeat at the hands of Borenwood, but Halifax beat Notts County um, so I've got a little note for us to talk about <laughs> Halifax beating Notts
1: County uh, are we happy to move on to Borenwood now? I'm happy to talk about Halifax beating Notts County to be honest yeah, yeah, I, sod So Wood
2: I don't know if we're going to be happy to talk about Borenwood. Um, well,
0: look, I, I'm gonna. Look, I, I tell you what. We'll reserve two minutes to talk about. Uh, I liked Birchnell's. Is it the P teacher? Um, how you? Are you yeah, said Birchnell. Birch, yeah, yeah. Uh, his post-match. If you get a chance, his post-match press conference after woking was was delicious. It it, it ticked it ticked every box you were looking for from one of his press conferences. Uh, references to to dominating the game, uh, woking only having ten minutes or whatever. Boys um,
2: chewing gum in the classroom.
0: Uh, he he look, I, I, I'd hate to be the person putting the questions to him because he, he looks so pissed off that he has to do any of it and uh, I haven't actually seen his post-match stuff from the after the Halifax game is that similarly delicious or not has anyone seen it I
2: honestly haven't seen it I could have spent some time looking at it yesterday instead I spent a very entertaining hour reading the Notts County Mad Forum which if you have a spare hour to look through the 26 pages at last count is really a good time <laughs>
1: Uh, I think Bir I think Birchnell's brilliant. I, I love him. Uh, I want
2: him to be in there forever.
1: he's like a comedy character. If the sketch show was doing a, a comedy character parody of a football manager, it'd be him. And and to be honest, I I look, I'm
0: not a I'm not a fan of Woking. I think we I think we've said fuck Woking on this podcast before. Um but You
1: can't say it too many times. Fuck I, if
0: I could pick a manager to beat Birchnell, <laughs> I would I bloody love it being um what's his name? The Dawson yes yeah uh you know proper salt of the earth football is football I'll whack it in your box and we'll (laughs) we'll beat you um yeah perfect but we probably shouldn't spend too long on Notts County because uh Torquay fell to a two nil defeat at the hands of high flying Boreham Wood I didn't quite realize how how high up in the table they were um Kane Smith and and Scott Bowden scoring for Boreham either side of half time um what what do we make of this one Chris same old
2: story really you start thinking three games without defeat if we get this one then you really start to think it's going to be okay from what i heard i should obviously make the disclaimer that i wasn't at the game the commute being a bitch um we were pretty good for the first 15 minutes um it seemed like we pushed the ball around passed the ball around pretty well without really creating anything too cutting um but after that Bournemouth really came into the game and you could there was a sense of inevitability about the goal cup, coming just before halftime. I think for myself, I was thinking, if we can get a half time, we, we're going to be good. You go in one nil down and you say, the last thing Johnson says on the way out is, don't make any mistakes. Give a penalty in 30 seconds into the second half. And Scott Bowden's going to score those. He's been scoring them for years. I don't begrudge him scoring. I liked Scott Bowden when he was here. Um, I'll always have, have fond memories of, of him at Chesterfield. Um, and he's done well since he left, so I'm not, you know, someone's going to score against us. It's going to be our former players at some point. I fully expect Billy Water to score at least twice against us this season. Um, And in the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, we really put pressure on. um, Few chances, but we need to get the first goal before the 90th minute. (laughs) And when we went into the five minutes of stoppage time, the radio commentator said something about it being Gary time. I'm like, well, that's cool, but we need more than five minutes of it if we're going to get anything out of this. So, um, I think it's, I was mentioning it earlier, I think against these teams that are very physical and somewhat direct, we seem to struggle. Um, I don't know whether we lack the stiffness in midfield. I don't think Asa Hall has been brilliant this season. Um, not certainly not to the level he was last year, and it does concern me because sounds obvious given how time works, but he's not getting any younger. Um, I you know, I think Lapsley is going to end up being the long term terrier in midfield, and I would not be surprised to see Hall used less and less towards the end of the season, which would be a shame because he's been great for us. Um, and I think we're at the 10th game mark now, that was always Johnson's uh. Let, you know, Johnson's pre-season, he said, we'll see where we are after 10 games and we're not where we need to be. Um, so I think we should be looking at some loans coming in fairly soon, I would think.
1: What do you reckon, Ben? Um, I would say that I've probably listened to that match probably a hundred times as a Torquay fan over the years. It, it doesn't matter what league we're in, we always get those performances, normally on Tuesday night, normally somewhere horrible, somewhere... You know, we think are beneath us, but but really, they're, they're a well-run run team. And, you know, you, it was inevitable, as Chris said, as soon as you got the first goal, um, you know, you've you heard it all before. You might as well turn the radio off after 50 minutes and go and done something more, you know, better with your evening. Um, disappointing, really, after the, uh, the win against Wealdstone. Um, you say bit of momentum. First 20 minutes did sound all right don't take your chances. And again, it, it follows a familiar pattern. Um, as, as Chris said, you know, half-time, okay, Gary gets into them, don't do anything stupid, see you got a, a silly penalty in, in the first minute of the second half. You know, you can't do anything with that really after that. And, immediate, you know, it, it just shows how stretched our squad is and how fragile we are from being a team who can cope to a team who can't cope. So, the substitutions we made, we threw on Chiori Johnson, who's not an attacking player, uh, uh, as our first substitute. Uh, Kaleidi Lolos came on to, as a second striker. he's only scored one goal. For Torquay didn't get much pitch time playing for Argyle. Um, and then throws on Ali Omar and, and switches around and puts Joe Lewis up front. So if Jake Andrews isn't fit and he's just there for to get back into the groove of being part of the travelling squad, then that's not ideal. Alex Adai, who had a positive effects against Chesterfield, watched that on the TV, I thought he looked good. He disappeared. We don't know what's happened to him. And so Gabby Rogers didn't make it onto the bench. He's an attacking option. So 2-0 down, and, and that's that's how we're trying to get back into the game. It just feels a little bit like we're underprepared. And I've had this feeling since the start of the season that pre-season was, was tough on us as we didn't finish our season till the 20th of June so we had a very small turnaround players haven't had much R&R time to back, go back into playing pre-season friendlies it, it just seems like we were desperately unprepared for this season and 10 games in 11 points that's probably half of what we'd expected to be at this point I mean, indeed this time last season we had 28 points or something like that it, we, we are a long way behind where we need to be and over the course of the season that, that gets increasingly difficult to um catch up if, if you're not playing consistently well which we're not so you know i love gary johnson i love him bit. bits i'm never gonna have a go with him but he's got some serious work to do in the coming weeks to guess where we need to be because at the moment we look mid-table and a long way off and i've said so many times that all we need to do is just finish seventh this season just finish seventh and give ourselves a chance that looks quite a way off at the moment as it stands
0: I, I yeah I have to say i i i think i'm i think I'm a little bit more relaxed about it than than some other Torquay fans as to how we've started the season i i i think well maybe more pragmatic um I just feel like we yeah we had a crack we had a cracking season last season I don't think any of us expected us to have the run we were on it definitely it definitely felt like we had to go up last season and we're gonna it's it's kind of annoying that we're in october and we're still talking about you know what could have been um but I think after that, after that playoff defeat, um, the I think we we have to at least make peace with the fact that a lot of the team has gone, um, uh, and there's there's been you know various question marks over how important Carl Cameron was and and Ben Whitfield um and, and various other members of that squad but uh, i think we have to make our peace with the fact that 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 a lot of that team has, has has departed we've we kept hold of what we could uh and added to it i think we have made some strong additions uh in the off season, but i also think we have to you know uh understand where we are uh and and i think i i, I do agree with you ben in terms of that for me if we could sneak into seventh perfect um that's that's what we need uh and we're not you know we're not we're not miles off that at the moment. Um, what, what are we in the table at the moment? Thirteenth. grants um, we haven't started that quickly, but I don't think any of us. Any, I don't think. I don't think anyone expected us to start that quickly. I think we were all as we started that first league game. All the fans were still talking about um, what happened um, in the playoffs. So there's there's no way that some of the players who did remain weren't still feeling some kind of hangover from that. Um, so it's, it's tricky. I think we're a bit up and down. And I think I actually think Chris said it on a previous podcast that we might just have a bit of this for a while where there are some games where it just clicks, uh, like Wheelstone, where it just seems to come together and attack um, and we can blow some teams away. And there might just be some other games like Boreham Wood, a case in point this week where it's just a bit flat, nothing quite goes. In fairness to Gary Johnson, he was quite... Uh, realistic, I think. After that game at Boreham Wood, as well, in in, in his post match quotes, um, he started to have a have a needle at the at the referee, and then said, "Oh, it's it's not really down to the referee. It's it's we didn't really deserve anything out of that." Um, so at, at least he's realistic about it and and doesn't throw his toys out the pram like some other managers do when they're on the end of um on the end of defeats. Um, but we are we are where we are as 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 far as I'm concerned. I think. He's, he spoke about that 10-game mark. I did just want to flag with you two. If we're, if we're going to get people in, uh, I mean, our, 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 our gracious owner, Clark Osborne, has, has put his hand in his pocket. I think we all have to, all have to agree with that. Um, but surely we'll, we'll be having to look at some outgoings as well as some ingoings. Are, are, is there a Are there some players that come to mind in terms of who hasn't lived up to the billing
1: just yet for us? I think it's quite a delicate situation because we're not signing proven players. We're signing players with potential and we're trying to make rough diamonds into assets. And after the playoff heartbreak, that's a very fine line. You're you're asking them to come in and and immediately pep up a place, which is being a little bit despondent. And some of these players, it's a big ask. I mean, I look at Keane O'Connell. He was brilliant against uh, Wildstone because um, I hadn't, wasn't quite sure um, on, on him up, up to that point. But against Wildstone, he, he was brilliant. So I thought, OK, he, he's taken a few games. He, he's finding his feet now. He's understanding what he needs to do. And then he gets hooks at halftime yesterday because that, that was not a game for him. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to get inconsistent players you look at Tom Lapsley and he's played 150 play- games in, in the football league and Colchester fans were tearing their hairs out when, when he got, um, when, when, when he left. And that I, in an ideal world, that's the sort of player you want not be signing six or seven of to, you know, to make your squad stronger. Obviously we haven't got the budget to to sign six or seven Tom Lapsleys or or six or seven players who've played a hundred plus games in the football league. So we are going to have to end up um, uh, cutting the cloth accordingly to, to what we can afford and you're going to get gambles um it's about whether you can get consistent performances out of those gambles uh you look at uh dan holman um we haven't got the money to go and spend 250 grand on a, on a striker like wrexham did we're going to have to sign someone who hasn't played football for, for, for 18 months and, and and do it that way that's just where we are at the moment um you know if if clark osborne said look i've given you enough money to to, to do what you feel you need to do with, with the club and we still haven't achieved promotion. Well, I can't really, I can't really have a go at in for that, to be honest. Um, because we're what four, four, five million down already. Where does it end? You, you know, we've all got our question marks over him for, for various things to do with stadiums, and we're not gonna go over that again. But he has backed Gary Johnson in the in the three years, Johnson's He's backed him handsomely. Now, you look at some of the players the turnover of players in the last few years, Manny Dukus, um, uh, Josh Umara, uh, Billy Waters, players who've been in and out only spent more, more, no more than a year here, the turnaround is, you know, it's, it's been quite big. So so where do you draw the line? Do we buy players who are going to be here for two or three years and, and, and try and make something a bit more concrete? Or do we keep trying to chase, you know, the players short-term who are going to give us a massive short-term lift? It, it's, it's, it's a very delicate balance, um, are there outgoings? I don't know. Um, can, he, can he get rid?
0: Is is part of the issue when you sign these players? I, I think some people forget um, that that when Buckle was in, he 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 signed a lot of duds as well. Um, yeah, we had we played some good football, but he also signed an awful lot of players. I, I think people forget um, the amount of players he signed that would kind of turn up for a few months and then swan off because they hadn't quite worked. Uh, the one that immediately comes to, to mind is um, Isaac and Christie, the old the the fridge, as we were calling him. But th- those players popped up a lot. I just and obviously we had the financial backing then to to afford him that kind of that risk, as as you said, it's, it transfers are all a risk. It, you know, you take a punt on 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 anyone. Um, Buckle had the freedom to to let people hang around for three months and then get rid of them again. I just don't know whether Johnson's going to be able to have that f- freedom. Um, well, I, I, I do know he's, he's not going to be able to have that much freedom. Um, uh, it's, just, it's just now where he goes from here. I, I don't imagine he has loads of wiggle room in his budget to just add, you know, as, as he wants to from here. Now,
1: I think last season we got lucky with our loans in that our two best players were Shering and Randall who were with us mm-hmm. for the entire season and were both outstanding Now, I was expecting at some point a a similar sort of uh, signings uh, to to those two, which haven't happened. Uh, I think Argyle have had a bit of an injury crisis, which possibly has meant that possible targets have probably been needed by Argyle to fill the bench or or, or possibly even play in the first team. So maybe a couple of targets have probably been highlighted and then been snapped away from, from Johnson at the last minute, perhaps. But, you know... Loans are going to be really, really important, but you don't want to be in Rob Streets and Max Sheafs who end up being binned off after three or four games because they're not what we're looking for. We need to share in new who are going to be outstanding for us, who are actually going to improve the team and not, not just, just, just be extra a couple of legs to put on the bench to make up the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I, I
2: think the issue with thinking about getting rid of players is that presumably they all have contracts. We're not in the position to pay up contracts i don't know how how long country i would imagine the only person that we brought in you as a long contract is lapsley i would not be surprised if he has a two-year contract which is which caps is long now by the way um i think omar probably has a year Same, you know o'connell rogers that those kinds of things so are we in a position to pay them up i can't imagine any of those guys on a huge amount of money but also there's talent Certainly with O'Connell and Rogers, there's a huge amount of ability there for both of them. So how often have we let people go and they've gone and done stuff elsewhere? I don't know if we want to do that. The jury is still very much out on Omar. Um, I think we've improved since removing him from the starting lineup. Um, But anybody we bring in will have to be an upgrade. I still think we need a central defender. Um, Right now we're playing with Winter, Lewis and Moxie, only one of whom, has any experience as a central defender, really. I mean, Moxie has a little bit, but, you know, he's really a left back. Um, I keep hoping that we're going to rock up to play more 2.45 on a Saturday afternoon, just to be told that there's two low knees in the starting 11, much like there was last season, and certainly they're superstars. Um, Every week, I look at Plymouth's team to see if Randall's getting on the pitch, and he's not. You know, he's a sub every single time, not getting used. Um, so I kind of hope they take a little bit of pity on their little brothers at the 8th of the eighth, but who knows. Um, I just, I think this season, and I've, as you said before, Steve, I, I think this season is difficult because we started so late. I'm sure both the Johnson brothers would have had targets identified for whether we were in Week 2 or in the conference. We're in the conference, and by the time we realized that, they may have gone somewhere else. Um I I think a lot of what Johnson's talked about with regards to giving them 10 games is just practicalities. We haven't had the ability to go and find people. Um, if we'd been four points clear at the top of the league after 10 games, he probably wouldn't go and get any loanies. He'd probably save them till Christmas. But I think the point at which we're at now, we have to bring in some reinforcements. I hope there'll be players who can... They have to make a meaningful difference. As you said, uh, Ben, some of the loanings we had last season were terrible, even though Rob Street is on the bench in Premier League games now, which blows my mind. Has he been on um, the bench? He's been on the bench for Palace against oh. Liverpool, I think. I might. I, it was early on. I hadn't seen recently, but I saw that.
1: He didn't get on, of course, but still... Um, I don't want to turn this into a Sam Druiff podcast, but um, did you see who Lee Mansell's first signing as Gloucester boss was? It's not Sam Druiff, is it? (laughs) No, I don't think they're that desperate. Um, It's um, (laughs) Lucas Tomlinson, who we had on loan back in the last season. He's The Bristol guy. Yeah, yeah. he's signed him on loan. So that's the guy we had to help us get over the line in the National League, has gone to play for Gloucester City. That just that's that's sort of hits home what I'm trying to say. But you don't want to be signing any old player just because they can fill the bench. You, you know, you need to bring players who are ready to to fight in the national league and and gets moving yeah. up the table. I think, I, much think
0: like, I think much like Chris said, we were all I think we were all half all holding out. I would say 25 percent hope that on the first game of the season that Sam Shering was just going to be there and we were going to be like, ah oh, yes, we still got him. Uh, and then he rocks up at Accrington. I don't know why you'd go to Accrington over over Torquay, um, uh, ignoring footballing uh, abilities and respective leagues. But, um, you know, I'd, you don't want to spend a weekend in Accrington. Um, but, yeah, I, I, we're all holding out for that. And then I think I was also just, I mean, I don't do my research on Sunderland reserves, but just hoping that, that Lee might throw us, you know, some gem that we can that we can have and, and prop up. I, I prop up the team i think you're right um on we definitely relied on loan signings um last season yeah uh, randall and sharing basically played any game when they were available um so yeah it's it, they're, they're tricky to replace um is anyone else got got anything else they want to say on this
2: i was i was just gonna say that The loans that we clearly figured out early last season were the ones that worked out, the ones that didn't were the ones that we probably panicked ourselves into because we had an injury crisis. We had no Danny Wright, we had no Carl Cameron, we had no Nemain and Whitfield and that meant that we were getting Sheaf and Street and Tomlinson who were, let's be nice, crap. Um, So I just don't think we can afford to be panicked into anything. So I guess in some respects, it's to Johnson's credit that he doesn't seem to have done that so far.
1: In the early part of the season, we weren't just losing by the odd goal or being on the end of a bad decision. We were getting absolutely steamrolled. So you look at where we are on the table, it's not through bad luck. It's because performances have been poor. Um, Now there has been an upturn in performances, but... Southend and Willstone are two pretty poor teams at the moment. They might improve, um, but are they the exception or are they the rule? Well, I mean, judging by last night and judging by Johnson's uh, uh, post-match comments about us being out-muscled now out-fought, you know, a lot of teams are going to play like that. And they're going to know that we struggle to play like that. So... Can we find the players who are going to nullify that and turn it into a bunch of bastards who won't be fought or fulfilled?
0: Uh, good, good shout. Um, uh, oh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll shift us on if we're all happy with Boreham wood um, uh, and uh, just do a quick little thing on, uh, on my favorite player uh, and then we'll, then we'll move on from there. Uh, and it's actually fortunate I'm on the pod with um, with a couple of people who are, who are older than me because they might actually give me some more uh, recounted tales than I can, because I've picked someone who is kind of I've got a dewy-eyed childhood memory of as the first kind of talkie player. I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's the one um, uh, you know that. There, so there were, there were a few there are a few that came to mind when I was asked to do this. Um, Uh, I thought about Nicky Rowe, but he probably wasn't here long enough. I quite like those understated midfielders that just kind of knit the play together. Didn't, yeah, didn't think he was long enough here to do that. Uh, Also really liked Rene Howe when he was knocking about here, Uh, I think. So, again, a a good generational difference between that. My dad hated Rene Howe because he didn't run. That was dad's issue. Uh, he, He doesn't work. He doesn't put the work in. And I kind of like that. We don't really see that level of arrogance from players at Torquay just kind of strutting around like they're walking around old Trafford like Berbatov. Um and if we do have players like that, they don't tend to last very long because they're normally shit. Um and Brett then, then, <laughs> then get bent, then get um oh uh, yeah, absolutely binned off. Um uh, yeah, so I quite liked seeing a kind of arrogant player strutting around who could actually back it up a bit. Um, although his career didn't 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 really um didn't really move on after he left us running anyhow. so it, it didn't go for him either what i what i've gone with is is uh as i said more childhood memories than I, I i so i i will require you two maybe to fill in some of the blanks that i've got in my dewy-eyed memory um but was uh and uh my brother and i used to argue about the pronunciation uh throughout is is tony bedou or bedo um uh and yeah so he was the first player i kind of coming to football with my dad was I, I, I liked him because exciting things happened when he was on the ball, uh, whether it was chopping down players that, that didn't deserve it or just knocking the ball in or running at people like a like a bulldog. He was the one when I first started coming to Torquay that was like, oh, yeah, I, I want to see him get on the ball. Um, obviously, he helped fire us up to League One uh, for that season and, and, you know, playing wide on the right and, and through the middle as well. Um, but uh, I just wondered if you two have probably made more appearances at Playmore in that period than, than, uh, than I did as a youngster. Had any memories of him?
2: I, I do actually have a memory of him almost killing me in his car. I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. He drove uh, a British Racing Green MGB and in Ellicombe, he pulled in very quickly. I think it was a flower shop. I think it was a florist. Not seeing me, and I'm, you know, I was smaller in those days because I was narrower, shall we say, but I'm still a big dude. Like I don't, and he jumped out. I must have, like, jumped out of the way in panic and I uttered the immortal phrase, <laughs> "In hell." Um, he did apologise, and then he went in and got his flowers and went home again. I presume he went home. Um, but on the footballing side, he was always a very frustrating player for me because you felt he had everything to be better than Torquay United.
0: And that's what that's that's part of the reason I picked him is because he's the he, he is the player when he was younger in his career, he kept getting linked with everywhere else, but 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 stuck around probably because as you say Chris he couldn't ever couldn't ever hold it together long enough to get anywhere else but was good enough to be at Torquay because he could because he could turn it on.
2: Yeah yeah he, he scored quite a few goals but I tend to remember him in fits of temper, more than goals. Like, I clearly remember him absolutely scything down a left-back once who had taken the ball off him. And then he did, like, the classic who, me, ref? And, of course, he got sent off. Oh, also, it's Tony Beddo, is how I've always pronounced it.
0: See, that's how I was doing it. But my brother always said I was saying it wrong.
2: Yeah, your brother's wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, and he was... It's funny, because in the 2003-2004 season, he was kind of a bit part player. He wasn't in the team that much because we had the midfield of of um, Hockley, Fowler. Hill would play on the left a lot. And of course, Alex Russell. So he didn't really get much of a look in. He was often coming in off the bench. He scored a few goals. So I couldn't tell you how many, but I want to say he scored five or six goals that season. Um, but I have I have fun memories of him. because I think sometimes as Torquay fans, we're pissed off when people leave, but mad when they don't. Like how dare you leave us? You know we're the best team in the world, and then alternatively it's like, why would you stay with us? You're clearly, you know, you you clearly could do more.
0: Well, by by, by all accounts, he did turn down moves when he was when when he was younger. Uh, I think Rochdale was the one that was mentioned where we accepted a bid. Have really. you been to Rochdale? <laughs> no, I haven't. I mean, that is not a good place to go. And,
2: you know, I think sometimes as, as fans, we kind of expect people to move on for money or prestige or whatever, but maybe he just liked the area. I think he was from London, so he'd probably never seen a beach before, um, which didn't have a body on it anyway. And so, you know, maybe he moved down here. I don't know his personal life. I don't know who he was buying flowers for, um, but maybe he he loved it and felt he wanted to stay for as long as he could.
1: Um, I remember... He broke into the first team, I think, in my second season supporting. He, he was pretty much, I wouldn't say a star striker, but he was the main striker. He was given a nine shirt. I remember him um, playing predominantly in a very frustrating partnership with Itham Williams, where both should have been good, but neither were good. And neither of them could hit a barn door with a banjo. Mixed best force, uh, from five yards out and you would come away watching a 1-0 defeat thinking how the hell haven't we won that 4-1 um, he had pace um, and sometimes he'd surprise you with, with, with deceptively good finishing but there's always something about him where you think this guy should be really really good and so often he'd flatter to deceive but actually I think I probably really fell in love with him at the same time you did when he started flying down the right wing under Leroy and I've got these great memories of uh, him and Cannonville swapping, overlapping each other down the right wing in front of the pop side when I used to stand the pop side um, and he'd get the ball and it wouldn't be any any sort of skill, he'd just kick it and run after it as fast as he could and normally be faster than the fullback and he'd be falling over on the byline and he was getting a cross in and he'd get the cross in and he'd probably roll into the advertising hoardings because his paid to take him so far off the field but I, I just remember him doing that time and time again and as a football fan in general, the thing I love more than anything is flying wingers. And you don't see that so much anymore. Um, you know, you think about last season, Whitfield running down the wing, but even when he'd cut inside, what I really love is players who get to the byline and get a cross in. I mean, bloody hell, I, 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 I was convinced that Lloyd Macklin was going to be the, uh, the messiah because he, he, he roasted a Leeds fullback uh, in a pre friendly 10 years ago. I thought, this guy's got it now. Um, more recently, Iffy Allen did the same thing. Um, just a bit of pace, just scarce full Calvin, w- Calvin Collado running past people like they weren't even there. I just love a winger. And Bedo carved out a second career as a half-decent winger.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, that, that's definitely the, the, the period where I was, um, as a kid, uh, uh, most excited by him. When, when he came back, however, after a, a year away at Warsaw, returned, uh, didn't, really, didn't really work out for him under buckle. Um, I think you're playing as an auxiliary fullback in in some games for him as well. And I don't think he ever showed the, the ability to be able to tackle anyone with any kind of uh, degree of success. But he was also a good player to have on football manager because he had the I think my, my friends like this. He had the two traits that was like dives into tackles and he had tackling of three and also winds up officials, um, which is, you know, good to have. I think, on, this, on the CV. I think great that I've, I've uh, managed to mention a, a talkie great as, as this bit is, that both of you have been fairly disparaging about.
2: I don't know disparaging. I mean, he was effective for a while, but I don't know if he's necessarily burning, you know, tearing up any trees. He's not somebody that everyone else in League 2 or League 1 at the time was like, oh, no, we absolutely must get Tony Meadow.
1: Well, he played three hundred times for Torquay under, you know, seven or eight different managers over ten seasons. So he can't be a bad player. Um, you know, he played his part in a promotion season to League One. Um, you know, no one came out of the League One season with any credit whatsoever, so you can't hold that against him. Um I I wouldn't be disparaging at all, really. Um I I, I just think with someone like him who came part of the furniture, it's could he have done more? You look at Kevin Hill you think Talky was the limit and he, he got every ounce of his talent out of his body possibly could over, over the 12 years he was with us. Could, could Tony Biddeau have got a bit more out of himself? I think he probably could. And that's mm-hmm. basically what I'm thinking of there. I think he actually broke onto the scene as a bit of a, um, a, a firebrand, maybe the next big thing for Torquay, but, you know, mm-hmm. I think very early on we, we did turn down, was it 200 grand bid from somebody or other for him? So I, there was I, money I in him. Um, and he came pretty soon off the heels of Rodney Jack, and he was he was meant to be the next Rodney Jack, and it just never quite worked for me in that way. I mean, I, all I ever ask about for talking players is they give it a go, and and Beddo certainly did that. So no, I'm, I wouldn't be disparaging of him, but wouldn't be my favourite player.
0: <laughs> and then from uh, from from the past to the present, uh, let's have a quick look ahead to uh, Bromley this weekend. Uh, what are mm. we thinking about that one?
1: Well, it's a tough game. Um, you know, let's to make no bones about like that, we've got no divine right to go anywhere and expect to win. Um, and I think the Bournemouth game last night um, brought us all back down to earth from the bump after the height of Wildstone. And now, on a 4G pitch, that's looking a very tough game now. Um, they're going to be a very similar test to Bournemouth. They're going to trying out-muscle us, getting our faces, uh, the physical battle. And we're going to have to be ready for that. Um, are we ready for that is another question. Um, but, yeah, that's on paper. That looks a very, very tough game now. And you'd have to say, after Bournemouth, it's probably a game that, that we, we need to win if we've got any aspirations of moving upwards as opposed to just sort of treading water in mid table where we are now.
2: Yeah, completely agree. I am not at all optimistic and I tend to be quite optimistic in general. Um, I think they've won four in a row now, Bromley, although, you know, they've beaten Dover and Barnett and Weymouth in that run. So maybe it's not a huge suggestion of great form. The other team they beat was Grimsby, who had a pleasant off. Um, yeah, I, I would like us to feel confident enough to go and play our game. But I, I think if we come out of that with a draw, I'd be quite happy. I am pleased it's on uh, television for the people in England who can watch it entirely legally,
0: unlike me over here. You've got to pay for BT Sport, though, Chris. Um, not all of us have made of money. You've to a pub. Yeah, then you've got to have to friends. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I mean, I think you two, you two have covered it pretty well. I, I think the issue is with these games at the moment is that um, whereas last season traveling to their place they would they would still be thinking hopefully we can nick a point they're definitely thinking as we turn up now we need three um let's beat them uh and that that mentality shift is pretty pretty big at the, our level i think just even just going into the match being like we need to we need to beat them here at our place um they won't fancy it um i think michael cheek is the is the is the man of the moment for them um bit of a a bit of a bully i think for i think i've seen him rock up before bit of a bully it could could be um could be an interesting one for our back line to deal with um and we know what we're going to get it's going to be how we stand up to it um and see how we can play it i don't know whether we try and outplay them or just you know meet them in the boxing ring i don't i don't know what you what you two think our best method of attack might be here or whether we turn up, shut up shop and go, you know what, a point away at Bromley are in the playoff places isn't, isn't a bad isn't a bad thing to have?
1: I think the, the players we've got available to us, I think the only way we are going to be able to get a, a result there is to play, is to try and outplay them. Um, I think if we try and roll our sleeves up and go into battle, I, I don't think we've got the players who are up for the fight. I really don't. Um, you know, you look at last season and we could mix it up when we really needed to. And, and the first few results in the season... Um, home to Stockport, home to Chesterfield, away to Bromley. We won with goals in the last minute, but we were shithousing our way through those matches. We were, we, you know, we rolled our sleeves up. We got stuck in. I, I don't see a lot of that amongst amongst this team. Um, I mean, someone like Danny Wright up front will give you that. And that's when you do need to maybe go a bit more direct and knock it large and, you know, get in the faces of their centre-halves. But I, I don't see that with this current lot. I think, you know, we've got some really good technical players. Um, but if, if they start throwing into challenges and getting in the referee's face, I, I'm not sure we can match that. Um, I hope they've proved me wrong. Um, but I, I, I think our best bet is to, just, is to go there and, and just try and play them off the park and just hope it comes off for us. Because when, when it works, you know, it's very, very effective and we are very, very good.
2: Yeah, we don't have the players to try and defend for 90 minutes. Um, I still think we have the basis of a very decent National League side. Um, but we've seen just in the last two games, they're not consistent enough. O'Connell was great against Willstone, Anonymous against Bournemouth. And you have to, have to hope that the correct versions of those players show up. So I'm, I'm not optimistic, I'll be honest, which normally means we'll win. So All I right, guess-
0: so give me a quick... Uh, give me a quick- um score prediction from you two. Let's see if Ben can win uh, this game.
1: Well in in the uh, honour of Sam Durif, I fancy us. Um I don't fancy us. So I will go for a will uh, go for a 2-1 defeat. I think we'll put up a a, a, a a good fight but I think I think that we'll probably end up having too much of us. I'm not even that optimistic. I think we'll get beat three 0
0: Tell you what, I'll I'll give us a score draw. I think we're gonna We'll score, but we'll concede. That's you know, I I don't think we we I don't think we've got a balance other than against teams like Wheelston that might um, that might give us a few. <laughs> um, what
1: what uh, I will I, say, what I will say is uh, I'd never write of Gary Johnson, and hopefully he's got something up his sleeve. Um, and, and he sounded pretty hurt by the way we played on on Tuesday. And normally when he when he when he uh, feels hurt by a poor performance, he he normally gets a reaction from the players. So. I'd imagine that training's probably been quite spicy today and tomorrow and uh, Friday morning. So if anyone can turn it around uh, in a blink of an eye, it it is him. So, again, I've said I expect us to lose, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if we go there and win handsomely in front of the cameras and shut Adam Virgo up.
0: What a way to to sit on the fence. Uh, I think we'll lose, but also we'll win. Uh,
1: I don't make the the rules. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't make the rules. Uh, Any other business? Uh, I'd like to draw attention to uh, Dan Ballsden and say a big well done to him on behalf of everyone at the podcast um, who ran the uh, London Marathon at the weekend. I think Chris interviewed him a few months ago leading up to his marathon attempt and he uh, completed it. Um, Hopefully, Talking Talk account on Twitter, we'll put a link up to his uh, Just Giving page and if you've got a couple of quid you want to throw in there, I'm sure Dan will appreciate that and also uh, throw a, a salute out to Luke Hunter a uh, friend of the podcast and talkie fan who ran a separate marathon, I think it's Chester Marathon as well so well done buddy, in fact any Talking Night fan who ran a marathon uh, recently or is going to run a marathon good on you, well done
0: who has ever run a marathon exactly (laughs) let's give them all a shout out
2: Uh, I ate a marathon once before it became Snickers that shows my age does that count
1: no yeah why not well done Chris well done thank you
2: thank you those peanuts were difficult Uh,
1: just before we sign off I'd like to give Dick over a chance as uh, it might be another 40 episodes he's gone again if he wants to slag anyone off now's his chance Uh, bearing in mind it's the end of the podcast no one will be listening and you know now's your chance to get get even
0: um uh i think you're you're all passable broadcasters who have uh handled the show in a in a manner which is slightly below of the original podcast but still uh a passable product uh and that's the official statement from stephen dixon
1: and what's the weather doing for saturday in bromley
0: (laughs) i'm not dealing with your weather questions (laughs) Uh, I'm seriously not dealing with your other questions. Um, That was episode 41 of the Talking Talkie podcast, sponsored by sponsorship available here.